Hi, welcome to our podcast, Where Next? Travel with Kristen and Carol. I am Kristen. And I am Carol. And we're two long-term friends with a passion for travel and adventure. Each episode, we interview people around the globe to help us decide where to go next. In this episode, we are meeting with Simone, a relocation expert that helps families and individuals looking to move short-term or long-term to Bali. If you enjoy our interviews, can you please follow us and give us a review? It's a super easy, quick task that really helps the podcast. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Simone. Thank you for joining us from Australia to talk about Bali. Is that's right. Today? Yes, that's Fantastic. right. Where are you right now? Originally a Sydney girl and then um, and then moved to Bali and then now um, in Queensland, Australia. Have you been to Australia before? No. Wow. Well, Carol and I yeah. were just having a discussion about, you know, from all of our episodes, where we our top three places and, and Australia was mentioned. We swapped it, but I definitely said, well, Bali was one of them. The Bali is one for sure. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of inquiries from, from America and Canada. Um, yeah, all, all the time, really pretty much I'd say every week, every second week. There'll be someone that wants to do either they're a couple or they're looking at a bit of a retirement thing or they're a family. So, yeah, very popular. Yeah, very excited to learn about what you did. And I I just briefly glanced, but I had a lot of questions. And actually, me and my kids were in Bali uh, for very short three days, unfortunately. (laughs) It's quite a trip to go all the way, but it was so worth it. We went to South Korea and then we bopped on over to... Bali, it's a seven hour flight each way, but we stayed and uh, at some, one of my friends that lives in South Korea, she has some Rip Curl Pro friends that live live there. So we stayed with them and surfed and it was, and we went to Mu Bali. I don't know if you know where that is. It's just a, is it a surfing place or? Mu Bali is a re, kind of like a, a hotel resort mm. on the top and I'm, I'm blanking on all the names. I'm going to have to bring up the map to remember. <laughs> yes. For the Rip Curl Pros and the Surf Contest and all that. And then we went to Bingham, Bingham Beach, actually. Yes. Yeah. I haven't brought yeah. up the map yet, but I'm remembering yeah. it now. Oh, good. So yeah, a little beach. Yeah, yeah. The Uluwatu, the Uluwatu Bukit area, which is, a, which is very famous for the, for the surfing. Yes. It was like these perfect manicured just waves coming. And it was, there was a lot of surfers, but it seemed like there was a lot of room. It was a really nice day. Yes. I was trying to see how big Bali is because Bali is an island, right? Mm-hmm. And then I've been to Hawaii. A lot of people so have. So <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, is it like the size of Maui? It almost looks like it's the size of, you know, the island of Hawaii, which they call the big island sometimes. But Can it you drive around about- it? Yes. Yes. I was just going to say, you can. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's not as, you know, beautiful freeways and easy to get around. I was actually in um, Kauai in December. Oh, okay. And um and also just the yeah the um and Waikiki area as well so um, much easier to get around but yes yeah, so, I mean some people even scooter around the whole island which which would be a bit tricky but um you can like it would be quite a few hours I think top to bottom it would be oh god like six seven hours or something like that but yeah, obviously it's you know not straightforward and it's not one easy freeway all the way through there's no public transport or anything like that so it's not like one of those let's hop on and off hop off and explore the entire island you know it it takes some time to get around to all the areas and Uh, what how did this whole thing start what's the what's your background um what do you do as a living you're it it seemed like you had a family and then what made you go to bali 
Yeah, that's right. So I'm originally from Sydney and um, I was working um, with my children at the time. They were ages five, six, so you're like quite young, um, just working full time. My husband was working for himself and um, I always sort of gave the idea to him, let's, you know, let's have an experience with the family overseas somewhere in the world. And it was where, where, where. We actually talked about Hawaii, strangely enough, because we had reminisced on our 10-year wedding anniversary. We went without the kids to um, Kauai and um, the mainland. And we were just like, why don't we do this with the kids? This is possible. And we started researching schools and visas. And it was just like, well, this is going to be not as easy as we thought. So we, we got rid of the Hawaii idea, but it was definitely on the cards. And then we looked at Singapore and some other ideas because we had been, these are all places we'd been sort of before. And we thought, or maybe it's a livable place as well. We can do a year, a gap year away. Singapore, we researched. Again, it was quite um, expensive to live. We loved going there as a holiday maker. Um, and it, just when we started speaking to people, it just ended up being not as um, affordable as what we thought it might be. And we sort of looked at Europe and a few different places. And then one day um, my husband actually recommended, well, what about Bali? We've been there for a few times on a holiday let's start looking to that. I was like, okay, that's a great idea. So we we did start looking. We saw there was an Australian school at the time. We thought, well, okay, that's an, a nice tick. We'll tick that one. Um, my husband could continue his work because he worked for himself and it was pretty much the same time zone and a couple hour difference. Um, we knew the quality of living would be a bit lower than what we're used to in Australia. We knew that the kids would have an amazing cultural experience, such as as well as us. Um, and it started to tick all the boxes, and we're like, okay, this is this is a doable gap year experience. We we actually got my husband. He did a, a bit of a recce and, and went for about ten days um, by himself and explored, you know, the sort of hot spots and where the expats would probably live. Went to a couple of different schools and just to get a bit of a feel for it and give us a bit of a report back is this doable and yes he said yep it is doable we can we can definitely make it happen let's put an application into the school so as soon as we did that we're like this is really getting a bit more serious this is this is going to hopefully going to happen and when they did say yes we had a wait list I think for one of the children and then when it all came through we're like wow this is going to happen and we we kept it a bit of a secret to be honest with all our, our family and friends because I think we thought they've we thought we're going to be nuts going and doing a gap year in, in Indonesia. What we're, We don't do that sort of stuff. And right. um, for us to do it is quite brave as well. So we're living in Sydney right near um, the, fa- like not far, say five, ten minute drive from Bondi Beach. So if you know the famous Bondi Beach in Sydney, you know, so, you know, lovely area. But again, like everybody else, working very hard, you know, looking at what's happening on the weekend. It was very scheduled, very timetabled with young kids. And we're like week to week to week going, what's going on here? Let's take a break. And that's what Bali gave us. It gave us that break, but also gave us a lot more family time as well and, and things that we took for granted or just had to had to do back in Sydney. Um, it, it just stopped all of that. So a lot, lot of, I mean, and that, then they just started documenting it. So I've got this this website, which is Our Year in Bali, and it, that's what the name was originally. It was a gap year. It was Our Year in Bali. And I was just blogging and having lots of fun and saying, you know, the kids and I went to this amazing village one day. Next minute we're teaching English to another little um, village. Next minute we're, um, you know, volunteering at a baby orphanage. Um, you know, we're trying this food. What's your new school like? So it was just a fun way of documenting it. And then what I did decide to do was I started to uh, speak to other 
other expats. So I started making friends with other expats from all around the world, with other kids, for example, um, some retirees. And I said, what's your story? And I just had a love of interviewing people like you guys are interviewing people. And back in Sydney, my my job before that was um, working in, in the council, the local area. Actually, I had a project to interview immigrants that moved to Bondi Beach um, and what was their story of journey. And it was, uh, you know, after the war and, and it was a very special story with, you know, I spoke to about 100 different people on why they made Australia their home. So I was like, well, that sort of inspired me to ask questions. And then I started asking questions and I thought, I'm going to add this to my blog. I'm going to add interviews of other people and, and what's their journey to my blog. And now I think I've got about 80 interviews on that, on, on my website. So that's one of my loves I just love finding out you know what did you think what was your challenge you know questioning and and people love that they get inspired by it they see you know what might happen what might go wrong um what worked for them and there's like-minded people they're not just alone um in their little dream world so yes (laughs) so there's very fast sorry (laughs) no it's great so the interviews are those all people that have been to Bali on these one years? Okay. Yes, yes. And all uh, the more different than situations. One year. Yeah, yeah, that's well, right. That you actually, met them on your one year there. It's a mix of everything. So either okay. I met them when I was living there and it was actually I was actually living more than one year in Bali. It was two years. So that's another whole story. Um, so it's a mix from all over the years, from obviously meeting them, friends of friends. Um, it could be my clients that I've successfully helped move over and, and everyone's on a different journey. So some people might be there for three to six months. Some people might be moving there to retire. Some people are testing the waters or they might come back again. Um, some people have, you know, set up businesses. So it's a, it's a, a very good mix of, of um, people who have come for work, for example. So a gentleman from Denver, Colorado, I helped. He got, he'd never been to Indonesia or Bali before. Um, he got a job as a principal in one of the schools in Bali, reached out to me and said, you know, I have no idea what I'm about to get into. Can you please help me? Um, and I've since met him a couple of times in Bali as well. Um, and he's one of my stories, for example. So. Oh. Oh, it's so it's nice. a big, big mix, big mix. Now, and what so, do you do professionally? So I used, to, well, I'm up until recently, marketing manager of a law firm. That that was up until recently because now I'm actually going into this concept of Bali relocation full time. Nice. So I'm going into my own business and and being my own yeah business owner and just enjoying helping people from all around the world have an experience like I did and sort of try and fast track their um, settling in time and trying to navigate what what the culture is like and what, you know, cost of living might be and how things work and, you know, good spots to pick families or schools. And so, yeah, I, I try and coach everyone through that experience. Like well, I, I want to them, them to enjoy what I've gone through. So is it a mix of always families? Is this like this one gentleman out of Denver? Yes, I think I would probably say because I've got so much content on there about the schools and there is a lot of family interviews, I'd probably say maybe 60% family, 70%. Um, and then the others might be a couple or it might be a solo, it might be also might be a single mum, for example. Yeah, it, it could be just, you know, a retired couple. So a bit of a mix on that other sort of 20, 30%. Nice. I was curious also, how were your, do you have two boys? Is that yeah, right? A, a boy and a girl. And a boy and a girl. And how were they about the adventure? And what was it like that you, you know, to take a gap year? How, is that a common thing? In common in Australia? Mm-hmm. No, it really, to be honest, it isn't. It, it, mm-hmm. I mean, we, some of the culture now, obviously, with COVID changing, there are people that are taking families and doing like a, you know, caravanning trip all around Australia and, and just 
like let's homeschool. Let's just anyone who's under that sort of eight and underage bracket, they're not they're not caring about school as much. We can do it on our own. That has, I suppose, become a popular thing to do. But otherwise, it's really I think a rite of passage for Australians when they're you know just finishing school or university to do a gap year. And it would be maybe like I, for example, do with my husband. We saw I think it was eighteen countries in Europe. Um, for six months. So, you know, that, that that's what we wow. try to do. We try and tick it all off and go, right, let's go to as many countries as we can. So that would be common. So it wouldn't be common as such, but um, for families just, you know, from Australia, giving it a gap year. And how are your kids about doing this for a year, leaving their friends, leaving what they knew? Yeah, I think because of the age group, they were young and they were like, wherever mum and dad take us, it's going to be home. It's going to be awesome. Um, yes, awesome. we sort of tried to do, you know, postcards and make up, keep in touch with family and so forth. But um, I think we we're they were just so busy and so absorbed into a whole new culture and everything was just explore, explore and discover every single day that they were, mm-hmm. we were never homesick. We, mm-hmm. we literally were never homesick in one year, two, which became two years. So it was one of those things where you can get sucked into a, a, I call it the Bali bubble, where you sort of start, start going, oh, this is really, you know, different and it's working and it's it's successful and everyone's happy. Um, so we, this gap year, um, very quickly turned into a second year and it was just something where we were renting out a house in Sydney and um, the person wanted to stay longer and it was that gave us the chance to keep on going financially as well. What grades were they in while they were there? Yes, yeah, they were in the bay in the, sort of like year one and two, two and three. So the the early early primary years was what we called that. You know, I don't think they missed out on anything. Um, you know, they fit back into Australia very well. Um, and still to this day, you know, it feels like it's defined them. And you know, they've had a really amazing cultural experience that maybe some of their other friends in Australia may not have had the opportunity to do. So they're very very positive about the whole experience. Do you have any transfers of high school students? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I do. I, like all the time, every week, I've got you know maybe it's I've got a fourteen year old or a sixteen year old. I get that pretty much every week as well. Yes, <laughs> I, I have a sixteen year old. That. Where would you say? <laughs> like yeah, that's right. I'm, yeah, well, if, if you're looking at a whole, it's at one whole year, just a a, a year experience, or it one, could be to finish three, school. Yeah, to finish school. Yeah, yeah, that's common Mm -hmm. as well. So, I mean, there's like small um, schools, there's all international schools, there's IB um, schools, there's Bali's got a great range of different schools. So, you can do, you know, small, um, it depends where you want to live. So, for example, in Ubud in the jungle part, which is is further away from the beach, um, they've got a a high school there, which is very small. Um, There's a lot of these little schools that are growing into that high school years and going 14, 15, 16. Then, if you go to, for example, Sunua, there's an international. National IB school, um, which is fabulous. There's another school in the Changu area. There's a couple of schools that do high school right through as well, IB. So yeah, there's there's a few different options. And I'm helping teenagers um all the time, depending on where they where they want to go. Yeah. Very, very common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of options. Okay. So where are the common places that people would end up living? You know, Bali is, you know, yeah, big. Like what cities and and yeah. so say like people like really some people like a lot of action in mm. all the festivals. Other people, they want it more quiet, even if it is a family. So there are a few places that you could recommend in both spectrums. 
There are obviously pockets of, you know, very North Bali, which is super quiet, but really the main four areas I would say that um, expats are gravitating to because there's facilities, there's co-working places, um, you know, other other expats are living there, they're living there long-term businesses and so forth, would be the, um, the, the one that you mentioned before, which is that sort of beautiful beach area, the Uluwatu Bukut area, um, and that is a mix of different beaches. It's a, a pretty big surf culture. Um, there are some young families there. There are some preschools and schools there as well. So people wouldn't go there necessarily to retire. They would maybe be, um, you know, one of those digital nomads that just love surfing, um, you know, enjoying Bali life. Um, culturally, it's not as maybe diverse. Um, as it's, it's very, as I said, just very um, chilled in that sort of surf culture side of things. And, and how did you say that? What was the town that you're talking about? I can't Yes. Um, well, if we, the actual um, peninsula Uluwatu? is the book. Yes, Uluwatu would be one of those sort of suburbs. And that's just one of the like main areas in that sort of bottom part um, that definitely families and, and young couples are, are gravitating to. There is, um, it's a little bit harder to get around, to navigate around there because it's all very separated separated with the cliffs and the beaches. Mm. Um, so, for example, a young family wouldn't go there because there's so many, necessarily they won't go there because there's so many stairs to go up and down to the beautiful beaches and it could be a bit frustrating. They would have to drive a bit further to another family-friendly beach. But you know, it's a good, it's a lovely, um, it's a beautiful area. It's an up and coming area. Um, lots of pros and cons for this area. People do absolutely love it. It is, it is gorgeous. There's a few lovely temples there as well. Um, yeah. So, it's, and each area's got its pros and cons and and different landscapes and different things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they are each sort of expat community is a good hour, hour and a half, two hours between each other. So you have to make that distinction and say, okay, I'm living here. Um, and I'm not going to be that close to another expat community, I suppose. So that yeah, that area is um is very beautiful. Um, yeah, I would say very, very popular for, for more the surfing style of a person that really loves to go surfing every day. Then the next one would probably be the Sanua area, S-A-N-U-R. It's just one of those popular areas for retirees as well as families. And sometimes um, it could be a a fly-in, fly-out worker because it's closer to the airport. Um, There are definitely, you know, this is just the main area. There's obviously areas on the outskirts of that. But if we just call Sanua and Sanua Beach area, um, that is very popular for, as I said, for lots of different reasons. There's one beautiful um, seven-kilometre walkway, which is quite unusual for Bali to have a, a, you know, well-established, dedicated walkway along the beach where you can ride your bike and go for a run. You know, there's beautiful rurungs and and you can catch, they catch fresh fish and people have lots of fun. There's a few little places. Playground, so it's a mix for everybody there. It's it's really really fun for you all ages. It's close to the hospitals, Padme the airport, you know, shopping centres. So that's really a quite popular place, and it's growing. It's definitely growing with more sort of um, building and, and entertainment and so forth. So Sanur is is getting very popular. And and I was going to say Kuda would be more of a, um, a holiday destination rather than okay. and someone to live here. To hotels and um, you know cafes, restaurants and shops and, and markets and things like that. 
and a lot, of, a lot of traffic. I was going to say yes. a lot of traffic. <laughs> so you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be living there as such. Then you've got, I suppose, um, so I'm really avoiding like main tourist areas. So, I mean, obviously tourists go to Sonora and, and to Uluwatu as well, but if you wanted to live there, because that's the sort of what, what I advise people is to have that gap here or six months or whatever it is. The next one would be the Changu region, so the Changu area, um, and there's lots of little extra areas around that area. There's, you know, I could name like you know 10 little extra suburbs or neighborhoods or however regions you want to call it um so Changu is really really popular very full of traffic at the moment um it's just on steroids it's got um you know every restaurant and cafe you can imagine some great co-working there's clubs there's schools there's you know the beaches there's you know lots going on there so with the c c a n okay yeah and some people would pronounce that's it yeah Um, so it, it's getting um, very busy. Um, there is, you know, beach clubs. There's lots of things going on. And, um, you know, people do love that vibe. You know, it's got a great energy, but it's got a lot of traffic at the moment. So some people are getting frustrated where they love to go between, you know, maybe it's, you know, the gym versus yoga and then going over to a cafe. It may take time. So that's the only, I suppose, downfall, but you can enjoy the outskirts of, of Changu and um, and it's just growing and growing and growing. So it's and, very and- popular. And is it super like hard to get around just because the mass amount of people or like in Costa Rica here, like the roads are really bad. So you can only go like 20 miles an hour or is it a combination? A combination. Okay. Combination. <laughs> like both. <laughs> yeah, I remember. You remember, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, like some of the roads are getting built much better and, you know, shortcuts are being improved, but you are navigating rice fields. You, you're navigating the odd ceremony that might happen, the wet weather. You've got um, maybe a stray dog running across the road. You're navigating, in, you know, lots of other motorbikes and cars and, and everything around you. So um, there's a lot going on. Yeah, so it's, it's a lo- slow speed. And everyone does tend to go on a scooter as opposed to a car for you know ease of getting around and and their shortcuts. Yeah, so that would there's be, a lot of dogs be... and they're so friendly and very, and I'm just shocked that none of them get hit by cars. Yeah, or anything. that's right, that's right. They're they're very well yeah looked after in that respect. <laughs> no one, yeah. no one. Yeah, exactly right. Yes, and then the next, the last one I suppose would be Ubud which is the jungle part that everyone knows. There's a famous school called the Green School that a lot of um, Americans and other people from around the world have have learnt about that's been going for well over a decade now um, and they've got other schools around the world now. So that would be, you know, a draw card um, in Ubud. But Ubud is just very spiritual. It's super cultural. There, you know, people go there for, you know, the yoga, the meditation, the spiritual side of Bali, um, lots more, you know, rice fields and waterfalls. It's It's, you know, it's very very different it's got a very different feel to the other areas so it's a good 30 40 minutes at least if not more to a beach so you're sort of in that in that heart and soul of of um more of a lush jungle experience and um yeah there's a lot lot of um, beautiful things there as well so wherever you go in bali there is similarities with you know the beautiful food and the cuisines and the um you know the fresh produce and you know the cultural experiences and the villages and the ceremonies and and everything around you every day is amazing. Um, it's just lovely. very different feels in in each area and pros and cons. I was curious also with that huge. Uh, I mean the temples and then those beautiful flags with the balls that have the things hanging down and then the communities like they give these offerings. I think it's every couple of days, but each like every day on everybody's porch or every and then they have yeah. their own temples and then they have the community or block temples and then they've got this 
huge. Like it looks like the Statue of Liberty in the middle of the country that you just can see from far away. I was curious. I can't remember what that was all called. I was only there for three days, but what was that? It is a Hindu culture, so it could be a different offering. Um, but yes, it's very peaceful. They do have to do, you know, offerings every single day. Um, to and they, they do different blessings and different times of year depending on their calendar. Um, it's it's pretty. It's in your face every single day in in some shape or form. Whether it's an offering on the ground, whether it's an offering in a temple, um, whether they're preparing to um, bless a particular thing. So there's there's certain things that they believe in that um, happens all year round. There's you know as there's festivals and things that you know each year you've got beautiful things that you see from you know the temples um the neighborhoods they get dressed up and and so forth so there's a lot going on every day depending on what 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 is um what's the calendar like what was that thing called the huge statue that's um I can't remember mm, what it was I actually I- it was on the way from Bingham Beach to Kuda and we passed by it and it looked you know it, it's a uh, old I think I can't remember but it's yeah, massive, it's like massive, bigger yes. than any building. You can see it wow. from super far away. It, yeah, a few of those are coming to my mind. Um, and I have asked the question before and I can't remember what the answer is, but I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. I'm sure it's going to, there it is. Yep, I found it. <laughs> I was like, what's that? I just said Bali huge statue. <laughs> wow, well <laughs> done. Good Googling. But it's a... Uh, well, it's a, it says here, uh, Garuda Vishnu Kankana statue, mm-hmm. also known as GWK statue. It's 122 meters tall, located in the cultural park, in the GWK cultural park. But yeah, but I just remember driving and our driver was like showing it to us and I, I didn't get a chance. We, we It was such a tight schedule. I would just wait like, wow. And then <laughs> we just keep on going. <laughs> Tried to yeah, get it all it's in. called the giant. Some people call it the giant. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So, is, is there ever a bad time to go? Um, I would just assume the weather is always like very mild and very comfortable and hot, and it rains a bunch. Um, but like, so I mean, and you do a whole year, so you're going to get everything. That's right. You're going to get everything. That's right. So I, I always feel like it's it's like Groundhog Day every single day. I'd never check the weather whatsoever. So. I knew it was going to be hot. I knew I'd be wearing flip-flops and just, um, you know, T-shirt shorts like that every single day. But there obviously is the wet season and the dry season. So around, you know, November um, sort of, you know, starts to get wet again in November for quite a few months and then back again, you know, it's, we're in the dry season now, for example. But And even if it, if it rains, it could be a short little outburst of just, you know, 10 minutes of downpour and then we're great again so and then it, then it could rain for days on days so it's really you know it's unpredictable I guess but you know you'd be swimming in the rain and it would be hot in the rain and it would be as I said every single day I, in the whole year I would never check the weather. <laughs> there was a temple on the water that almost like when the tide was down it was you could walk across it and the tide would go up and you know it'd be like yes. a little island um yes. it was sunny and then we went to the mountains and then it was super cloudy and misty and um you know so it yes. seems even if the weather is sunny in one area you can go up to the mountains and it's drizzly That's and true. rainy in the other yeah. yeah that's true and most most of it because it's hot all year round and, and it is just like the same all the year round 
some area in the mountains, like you did mention, where it can the temperatures can drop a little bit. There'll never be things like snow or anything like that. But some people will get excited and go, "Wow, I can wear a jumper. I can wear jeans." Like because you, you don't wear that every other day of the year. Um, so if you do go to that sort of mountain area, there could be it could be the temperatures definitely cooler and fresher. Um, yeah. and you know they, they they sort of promote that. You know, come and stay with us. You know, when there might be fireplace and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, very minimal <laughs> to what what I'm sure you guys go through. For sure. Right. And if you went to one of those places, are they pretty remote or would they be like, you know, you could actually work there and um, it has internet and, you know, reliable in some of the cooler places if you needed a break? If you need a break, I would just, yeah, I would definitely say the internet's reliable, but it wouldn't be, again, it would be more of a holiday destination, like for oh, okay. a couple of days or something like that. You wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't be like, oh, let's write a book in the mountains. <laughs> you know, okay, right. necessarily like that. It would be very, there'll be, there'll be more holiday rentals or, you know, um, hotels or something like that. I remember being in the mountains and, well, and we also had a fruit smoothie, but we went into the mountains and saw strawberries. Or they, they were growing strawberries. And I had, you know, here in California, the strawberries are very sweet, very yummy. I'm, I'm Swedish. They're sweet and yummy there too. <laughs> but the sweet, the strawberries in Bali are sour and not good. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't say not good, but from, from what Different. I'm used to, it's a sour yes. strawberry. Um, yeah, they still look quite, really quite bright, um, but maybe not as t- tasty. But I would say the tropical fruit yeah, it's a shame. Do you try the other fruit? Oh, yeah. Um, that they have. Yeah, exactly. It's so uh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Oh, they were amazing. And, and yeah, everything we got was just amazing. The fruits were amazing. And and then we saw strawberries and we were like, oh, let's try a strawberry. And then we were like, oh, no, no, <laughs> that's not what we'd get there. No, um, yeah, not as, not as good. But there's so what not the yeah, I mean, the coconuts. Yeah, I was just, I mean, obviously you've got coconuts like everywhere in, in many tropical climates around the world um mangosteen is really yummy they obviously they've got their mangoes and their pineapple um they've got rambutans um i'm just trying to think What's there's that? so many different um it's well rambutan i think you guys maybe call it something different like a lychee probably Oh, okay. Do you know, like, like a lychee, yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. the mangosteens are like these little purple things that you just sort of peel open and there's a little white, um, it's like it's just, it's a white-coloured fruit with some pips in it. Um, that is super tasty, super, super tasty. Obviously, so you've got dragon fruit? And that sounds like dragon, dragon fruit. fruit. Yeah, absolutely. Dragon fruit smoothies are so popular. Um, yeah, dragon fruit everywhere is just incredible. So, yeah. yeah the yeah. look so cool. They just they look like little seeds. I love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then guava was big. And I was really impressed. They have like these um, bowls, smoothie bowls and like fresh, just sliced fruit. And oh my God, it was amazing. Um, we were in Kuta and I was staying with the this family and, um, you know, I was like, oh, we want something like fresh fruit, healthy, like for breakfast and yeah, everywhere, fresh food. Fresh. What are kind of some of the, your favorite meals or what people eat yeah 100% agree that the fresh fruits always get the fresh smoothie bowls the fresh smooth, uh, smoothies whatever it is that's great and then the local food's pretty tasty and, and delicious I tried to cook it and you get such an appreciation on you know how many spices and how long it takes so 
So anything that's um, nasi, nasi means rice, goreng means fried, so you like your, your fried rice type dish, um, noodles, so you've got a fried noodle dish. Um, but then they're, they're good with tempeh, um, you know, there's small amounts of meat anyway is really in their diet, so it, it's not a huge meat-eating culture that, you know, they're very with their vegetables and their, their rices and things like that. Um, and then you've got like a dish called, like, for example, nasi champor, which is nasi, which is rice, which would be brown rice, red rice, white rice, yellow rice, whatever they, you know, there's happening. And then trumpo is a little bit of everything. So I really love that. So it might be a little bit of tempeh or tofu. It might be some really interesting beans and um, veggies. Um, it could be a little bit of chicken. Uh, so, it could, yeah, they, they've got beef dang, which is a lovely beef curry. So it's a bit of a mix. And then they love their chili and the sambal, which I, I never touch. I'm not a chili person. Anyway, but that's hugely popular. It's always chili, chili and, and sambal, which is like a crushed up, um, you know, chili sauce, if you want to call it that. And they put that on everything. Um, yeah, eggs as well. Good with the eggs. So it's a, it's a nice mix of, of, um, that, that's, that's obviously local food, but then, um, the cuisines are amazing. It's just, it's, that's what's great. You can go really cheap at a room and, and quite local with a nasi goreng, maybe a couple of US dollars, but then you can go to a five star amazing restaurant in the same day, um, and everything in between. So you've got, you've got lots of options when it comes to, um, you know, choice and, and affordability with food. Nice. And they also talked about moo belly. Uh, they, so Australians that were there because, you know, I guess they were having a, a bigger winter. And so it was very packed. We got there around midnight or 1 a.m. and the whole airport was just packed. And then I had met some folks too, and they were saying, oh, watch out. And so the water or something, I, we didn't get affected, but that uh, they called it moo belly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Everyone's, yeah. Known, everyone's known of barley belly. And you, I mean, for us in the, in, it's just, it can be obviously you have to be careful with the, you know you know whether it's hand sanitizer washing your hands seeing how it's cooked where where you're buying it from you can go from a very local place that just uses you know the water on the street so to speak which is these buxo men who sell soup on it you know obviously wouldn't advise that local and then you go to a cafe or restaurant which is um you know they're always serving for expats um, and, or, you know, holiday makers, so the, the quality, and you should not be getting barley belly in that situation. However, um, you know, they have, you know, obviously great sort of remedies and things like that if you ever needed it. Um, sometimes it's unavoidable. In our two years, believe it or not, um, I would be buying fruit and veggies from the local market where it, there would be cats running around, there'd be flies, um, and we would just do a quick wash and we, would, we, we didn't get sick. So, um, you know, there's some things you, you can just, avoid and yes it's hard sometimes you have to drink the water um you know bottled water all the time and not from the tap um and just you know be a bit vigilant on what you're going to do and and so forth but yes barley belly can happen anytime anywhere and some people say you know i I think i got it from a five-star beach resort so you never know where where you could get it from unfortunately but it is definitely one thing that that's there and so do you feel the people that, you know, once you've been there for three, four months, they're less likely to get it or literally it could happen just depending where you go yeah, or is yeah. there a little acclimation to yeah, that? Yeah, a bit of both. Okay. Yeah, there is a bit of both, I think. I think you you do get used to it. Some people do, you know, start brushing their teeth with the local water a little bit, so like introduce it slowly in some little bits of ways. As you said, the longer you're there, you know, you should be immune to the bugs and the local um, you know, way of, of food, how it's prepared and what's happening. Um, but, yeah, it's a bit of a mix. I some, I also um, recommend in particular like a cholera vaccine, like a, a drink, a, a cholera drink before you go. 
I don't know if that helps in any shape or form, um, but I'd, I'd always, you know, I was advised by my my doctor to take that. So that may have helped as well. It's like a little bit of a, a lining for the tummy hmm. um, and just being sensible as, as much as you possibly can. And um, what, and then what was you, the drink? It's called a, a Ducrol, D-U-K-O-R-A-L, Ducrol. Oh, okay. Yeah. It just kind of gets yeah. you ready yeah different uh different environments that's right exactly right oh yeah I was curious cost-wise if someone wanted to live there how much should they anticipate spending or saving I guess to spend on you know I don't know rent and food and you know just costs in general yes okay that's a that's a like a big question I'm like thinking oh gosh how am I going to answer this for you Um, (laughs) so we we're talking a family of four for example Sure. Yeah. Okay. Before. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So again, it depends on where you live. So, for example, Ubud would be probably one of the cheaper, Ubud and Uluwatu maybe the cheaper areas to live um, for rent, for example, versus um, Sunua. And Sunua is also quite reasonable, but Changu, as I said, getting very, very busy, getting very expensive. So, um, and things have changed. So Bali, um, you know, has, you know, the inflation prices, all different things are going on at the moment to push prices up no matter what, where you are. It's just not best when it comes to rent. Um, that would be the biggest cost. So we, so for a year, for example, um, it's a hard question. So as I said, so for example, um, Bali housing is also very different. So you can have an enclosed one, which is what we're used to in our Western world. And then you can have a tropical open one, which is a lot cheaper. So we, you know, you would come to Bali with you wanting a fully furnished house, of course, because you're not bringing any furniture with you. Um, and then you've got a choice of, do I want it half open or all open? Um, or just, for example, the everything else enclosed. So that's going to change your price as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, for example, in Ubud, um, because it's, um, the, you know, it's a bit cooler being in the jungle, um, you know, things can happen if it's closed, there might be more mold opportunities. So, for example, the bedrooms might just be closed with some aircon, and then you might have your kitchen and your lounge room and other areas, even the bathroom open, believe it or not. So, that's something you're either happy to get used to or you're like no 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 I still want that western experience because I'm you know nervous about mosquitoes and other things that might happen um and it's unavoidable so um you know it could be you know it could be like 10 15,000 a year um for example in Ubud versus you know if you want something more luxurious and um amazing in Changu it could be 35,000 plus and are these in know, U.S. dollars or um, Australian yes, US. dollars? Yes, U.S. Yeah, oh, I, I was trying you. to help you with U.S. dollars. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all good. And then, I've, you know, so some people come for monthly and, you know, it could be $1,000 a month um, versus three, $3,500 a month. So um, there is a huge range, to be honest, on um, accommodation. And, you know, as I said, so Albert would be the, the cheapest option. Changa would be super expensive. So that's a, let's use those two as examples. Yeah, I'm just it's looking at some of these open homes. It's it's insane. I mean, we it's had great. Our bathroom open. Our yeah, bathroom I mean, is open. Yeah, it's like certain times of year be great, but once that rain starts coming, it'd be like yeah. So the the room itself was enclosed, and then the bathroom had a door, and it was completely. I mean, it was enclosed and everything, but in the shower area, it it, it there was like a space where the roof. So it wasn't raining in it, but it was like 
you know, an open roof concept. And I don't remember what the wall was, but it looked like a rock wall. And then there was just like a space. So it was partially, but I, you know, and I know when I was in Costa Rica, bathroom was open. It was just like, I was showering and I was watching those construction guys cutting down some trees and there's a monkey swinging. And I was like <laughs> washing my hair out. <laughs> that was wow. kind of different. But, so um, yeah, that that's post similar. It's exactly right. That sort of tropical, like open plan. And um, I mean, so sometimes it's great, but then you know, getting frustrated with kitchen and lounge room in the outdoors, um, and the heat and the elements and things that might happen at night. So yeah, and then everyone gravitates to their bedrooms and it doesn't speak to anybody. So it could be a bit of a frustrating way of living. But some people absolutely love it, or they've just got a different budget and they're like, you know, this is this is going to work for me for a year. This is how I'm going to live and I'm going to get used to it. So it does take time to get used to, I think, with the heat. Yeah, I, and, well, I'm looking. And, I landed on this site and booking.com and it has like yeah. 29 nights, $900 <laughs> for one of these homes. And then the next listing is $4,000 for 29 nights. So I can see this going to someone like you. Okay. What's the pros and cons of this area versus that? That would be huge. Another one, $690 for a month. Sweet escape, entire villa, one bedroom, one bath, and a queen bed. That seems way too good to be true, but maybe it's mm. a really difficult place to get to, and then maybe it, it's all open and there's bugs. And who knows? Yeah. Wow. And what, did it say a rough location? I probably wouldn't. It's probably uh, not so. I don't know where I find. Um, well, I was in Velavana, Bali. Valvana. Okay. That might have been the place. I just I just searched open yeah. open air yeah, homes. Yes. Yes. Mm, yeah. Open yes. air homes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard. Yeah. So with with so obviously accommodation there, you know, it's it's very, very varied. Um, but you know, obviously I always recommend fully furnished and then we start from there and then you've got where and then the type of style and all these sorts of things. And um, you know, kitchens are usually quite small because most people eat out a lot. It's very affordable. So you wouldn't, you know, you don't want like a big modern huge kitchen kitchen like you'd be used to back in the states for example so there's lots of little elements per home that you know changes things up and then what I actually do offer um, clients is that I have a cost of living excel spreadsheet because there is so much involved so um, for example even the electricity bill is quite could be quite expensive if you're running a pool pump and air conditioning units all day every day that's going to be different to someone um, say in Changu again versus someone in Ubud who may not be doing the same you know with their air conditioning and, and electricity so electricity prices there's even things like, um, you know, council fees that are very small, but things that these are just item ideas to, to that I list. So you, these are um, things that you have to just commit to every month. You know, it's like recycling, garbage, those types of things. So I really itemize everything for you. So it, it could be, you know, the gas, electricity, the banjar fees, the recycling fees, um, you know, all sorts of different fees, um, including staff, because that's what's great about Bali is that um, you can afford a housekeeper to clean your, your house every week, um, maybe even do your washing for you, maybe, you know, cook a meal every now and then so there's lots of little extras that um you know how much do things cost and so itemize that for everybody because there's there's a huge range great idea is there a lot of people a lot of services like this or like this seems like such a great thing that you're doing is this common or i don't want to we don't don't need to mention any competitors obviously No, you know, that's a really good question. I um I believe after speaking to lots of different people, there isn't anyone specifically for Bali. So um I'm sure there is, yeah, definitely in in around the world. But no, you're right, Carrie. There's nothing 
Um, it, it just came for me from a natural love of me doing all my research and my organization. My husband loves his spreadsheets and budgeting. And we wanted to make sure that we weren't going to come back to Sydney in debt. So the whole reason of this gap year was to have a good quality of life and live really well and have a beautiful experience for the family and the kids, but also not come back in debt. So that's where I think you know, it takes time. Someone actually said to me who lives in Bali for quite a few years, she's, she's an expat. She said, I've gone to so many different countries around the world, but I found living in Bali was really hard to get into the swing of things. Um, mm-hmm. So it's great that you offer that sort of stuff. So for me, it was just more, I've been there, done that. I, I just want to share that love and, and I just keep updating it and wanting to basically help that you've been there, living there a couple of years before you even land in the in Bali. So yeah, it's just spread, spread that love yeah. and that service, I guess. But now, so how often do you go back to Bali? Every couple of months, maybe three to six months, because I'm I'm not far. So I'm only five hours, five and a half hours. Oh, so. nice. Yeah. So I, I do try and go a couple of times a year if I can. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's the that's the goal. And, and so, when what's your service cost? Yeah, good question. So I've got uh, how I've tried to package it up. I've got two different two different costs. I've got a basic cost and a more advanced cost, if you want to call it that. So I've got a, a package which is three hundred seventy five US dollars, and it includes about an eighty five page ebook, if you want to call it that, like a guide from I've never been there before. Tell me about snakes. Tell me about visas. Tell me about housing. What can go wrong? All that sort of stuff. Pros, cons, challenges. You're not going to be able to walk around. You know, give me the real, real realistic parts about Bali. So I always give you the good and the bad as well, um, just to be prepared. So I've got a, a lovely book. Um, and then I've got a lot of checklists and planning lists. So what to bring, what not to bring, what's there, what can't you get? Um, as I said, housing is a big one to understand. There is all these little things to understand. You know, you're not going to be able to drink the water. Do you want to get a water purifying system added to your home for the year and rent that um you know what does it mean to commute in this particular area so i have got a lot of tips and tricks and resources to to get you through i've got a bahasa language guide as well so um yes you can grab an app and do whatever you need to but i give you a lovely list of um you know the great words to understand and have a great little conversation and understand what things mean both culturally and and just you know general conversation as well um and how things work culturally the staff practices and the customs all that sort of stuff i'm just trying to think what else i've got and the cost of living excel spreadsheet Um, spreadsheet has to be yeah the spreadsheet yeah absolutely (laughs) so i'll give you a good spreadsheet so you can start plugging in, making your own budget, but, you know, getting an idea, okay, this is how much it's going to cost to rent a car versus even hiring a driver. So, for example, we budgeted that we had a full-time driver for two years and we did not drive once in two years ourselves. So there's all, I, all I range. I actually <laughs> had a driver as well. And it yeah, was yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it helps. I mean, it's slower to get around, but there is a lot of, and I give you the pros and cons about that as well. Um, and how much? How much was it again? How much was it for a driver? I, it was really yeah, reasonable. I yeah, it probably it like if, if you're just doing a, an eight-hour day, just um, probably about fifty US dollars a day, something mm-hmm. like that, maybe a bit okay. less. Mm-hmm. Um, pro- that's just per day. So then I wanted to say thirty-five dollars, thirty to thirty-five a day is what I think I. Aid, but, um, yeah, it could it could very well be. I mean, it depends on the car size, and you know, if you're yeah. transporting a whole big families, you know, some cars are bigger, all that sort of stuff. Depending with gas, not gas, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, approximately, yeah, probably about mm-hmm. thirty five to fifty a day. If not, yeah, it depends where you're going, what you're doing, how long. So I heard yes, some the- quick things that are funny about driving. So I first off, the drinking age is fourteen, 
And then, uh, so my son was very excited being 15 to have a beer at the uh, surfing contest that they offered him. You can drive drunk. Yeah. And that they're very good drunk drivers. Oh, wow. That's what, uh, I mean, I guess that's what the family that we stayed, they told us that. Oh my goodness! Was, but I thought that was really funny. Mm, they are they are having problems with expats driving, you know, and accidents and thinking they know how to drive or on the scooters as well. That's always a problem, always a discussion, um, always in the news. You know oh, okay. how things are going on. That's a big one. But yeah, so that that's my basic package. And then the next one, the other one is it's six fifty US, and that actually includes all my my really lovely supplies and contacts and introductions and recommendations. So. And that's a big list. It's an like a nice directory if you need to get your visa done, if you need to open a bank account, if you need to find oh, a house, if you want to get introduced to a principal um, at a school, if you want to find a doctor, if you want to get a nanny, if you want to get a um, a dentist, you know, all these, um, a Bahasa tutor, a language tutor, you name it. It's like a, a lovely list of things. You can open a business. Um, I've just put, you know, years and years of trusted supplies that I speak to every, every day. Um, wow. in like a little directory of there you go and let's get the ball rolling. It's all doable. Um, it's all possible. So, yeah. so, so that's the sort of service I have. So how do you help people like actually find a house? You're more just like you go to these other services, they're trusted, or you actually like help them like find yes, a house? Yes, I, I physically don't help them, but I can I give them a, like a huge amount of homework to just get you get your head in the game and so you understand before you even get to that real estate agent that you know what you're sort of looking for you've got a bit of a wish list you know pros and cons you know what to look out for if you do fully inspect it yourself and then I have got the trusted people so the people in the areas that you that I'm sort of mentioning for example I've got a handful of people that I would introduce you to and I know you know from feedback and how they work that they will you know find you something lovely um and we just yeah start going through an introduction bit of a feedback and you know they take it from there but it's it's not straightforward housing is not straightforward in Bali that is I've just heard a, yeah have you seen them this woman have the curated life. She lives in Bali. She was yes. the Allison in Asia. I don't know if you've crossed yes. paths. Okay. She, no, she was a client of mine. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. She said like, why we didn't buy a house? Because it doesn't make sense to buy a house. And yes. Yes. All that. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Maybe that's how I that found you. That's how we connected. Yeah. yeah that's probably. right. So funny because we only really touched upon dense Pasar, which is the bottom part. And there's so much of the island also, that's so green on the map, but um, it seems like that's where mostly people stay. And then the other parts. Yeah. And, and, and I basically had such a short window of time for me to be able to be there, too, and see it. Sounds like we got to go back, Kristen. We got to yeah. go back. <laughs> yeah, either that or we're going to live there for a little while. We're there for a little bit. Yeah, that sounds like a year. Sounds that. amazing. Yeah. Maybe I'll help you with yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know I've got my uh, my rip curl pro family and the guy, the driver yeah. guy. They're like, come back. I'm like, sounds good, but I definitely uh, need to for sure get some tips. <laughs> oh, I know my question. Um, so I've heard a lot about Bali that you can get away with just English. Just do you find that true? Mm, very true. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, with that, and it's actually even more interesting. I have so many Europeans that come to Bali to learn English. <laughs> If we want to go to that extreme, it, I mean, it's crazy. But yeah, English is obviously all, all lang- is all in schools and it's, you know, in shops and restaurants and 
everywhere you go. So you, without a doubt, you've got no problems whatsoever and signs and all that's in English. Um, there's obviously two, you know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting, um, that, that I have so many families that say my, my child has, has no idea how to speak English. We've gone to Bali and they've, they've just come home so confident speaking fluent English. So oh, absolutely no problems whatsoever. Although, of course, I always recommend to learn the local language and, um, you know, and they, in schools will, um, at least offer language lessons, you know, two or three times a week as well. Um, um, yeah. Two quick questions too. What's the, did we talk like, what's the best time to go weather wise? And secondly, what the least amount of tourists? Yes, that's a good question. Cause high season, I was going to say August is like you guys, they're, they're on the August, um, school calendar. So whereas in Australia, we're on a completely different calendar. So the type, it's, it's high season. It's high season in most of the year in just being a tropical island and so much going on and, and people going outside of school holidays and it's still busy all the, all the time. Um, you've obviously got the wet season and, and the dry season. We're all on different calendars. So, for example, Australians, we're on a completely different calendar to you. So we're so close. We're always going there on holidays. So there's very few little spots, to be honest, on, you know, when's it low season, um, you know, sort of maybe February to March, February, March, and then on that other sort of September, October, on those other sides, maybe a little bit quieter, a few months here and there on each side, but um, not much because it's, it's just busy all the time. That's amazing. Really, uh, (laughs) I know there's so many more questions, but those are the bulk of them, I think. And I don't know if there's anything else in terms of culturally or, well, I know they have their ceremonies that they do. Again, what's the ceremony with the the balls, the the kind of kite things, balls with the hanging pieces from it? I can't remember. I don't know what that's called. Yeah, there, there's a there's a couple of them. Throw maybe two in in the beginning of the year and towards the end as well. But what I was going to say, talking about a beautiful um, thing that they offer or that they have once a year is called nepi, and it's it's usually in March. Again, it's in the moon calendar, so it might be the seventeenth of March, and then it might be eighteenth or nineteenth. But once a year, every single year, the whole island is quiet. It's like a silent day. It's very very special. So the airport's closed. There is no driving on the road, and it's just like let's detox. It's like a detox for a digital people for us it's a it's just a beautiful day of silence and the day before is a very noisy day where they're actually trying to um rid of evil spirits and make noise and what's really lovely is each sort of village creates these things called ogre ogres which are paper mache monsters um and they parade them and they make lots of noise with all their percussion instruments um and it's a beautiful spectacle um you know the lead up is that you know they're creating these over a couple of weeks in their in their home area and then they parade them and then end up burning them off in, uh, in the beach. Um, it's like this big, big deal um, every year, once a year, and it's called Nepi. And then it's the day of silence. And then you can see there's no pollution. The stars are in the sky. Um, it's very quiet. You have to stay at home. You're technically not meant to cook, you know, um, you know, use any you know electricity or make fire, all those sorts of things. It's just very basic um just 24 hours wow but but yeah so sometimes people yeah don't know about that and they go on holidays and then they're like what's happening the next day so it's a bit like a a big new year celebration where you know people getting ready for um at supermarkets getting their food ready um they have you know it's a big celebration so it's it's something to look out for all right rapid fire questions now the common religion you say it's buddhist hindu it's actually hindu yes so all of indonesia is actually muslim and it's the biggest um muslim population in in the world i believe in indonesia um hundreds of millions but in bali it's hindu 
So mm-hmm. it's like ninety eight percent Hindu, I would probably say, and then the, and then there's a little bit of Christian, um, and then obviously Muslim as well. But um, you know, I'd say the majority are Hindu. Oh, that's so interesting. But you're saying the rest of Indonesia is Muslim. Is oh, Muslim. wow. Yeah, and then we talked about foods already. What would you? What's a typical breakfast there? Um, well, if if we're not doing the yummy smoothie bowls, <laughs> like like everyone loves their smoothie bowls, that would be a typical breakfast. Otherwise, they would it would be a rice dish or even sweets. They do love sweets as well, so they will make with tapioca flour or or you know some. You can just pick up on the way like a little um you know rice with some sweets and yeah. There's, it's, if if you're looking at traditional stuff, um yes. yeah yeah. So it would be lots of little sweet bake. They love their um sugar. <laughs> They're big oh, on nice. sugar, so you have to say tidagula which means no sugar. Okay. <laughs> you go to certain things because they'll add sugar to a lot of different things. Um, so, yeah, so it could be little um, little things that you can buy on the side of the street um, wrapped up, whether it be rice or, or sweet little baking things, right. baked goods. Nice. Is there any kind of a special music that's local to the Balinese? Yeah, I would just say that the percussions and like the um, – I think it's called the Gelang. I've forgotten the name of it. Um, but there, you know, a lot of those sort of um, xylophone type thing, uh, type percussion instruments, and and that would be, I suppose, their sort of traditional music. Nice. Is that that it's played throughout throughout the island? All right. And then, uh, what kind? Of, what's the money like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Indonesian rupiah. So um, obviously, you guys coming from <laughs> states have got a good, um, you know, it's a good dollar for you guys. Um, so yeah, the Indonesian rupiah is is the local currency and it's a bit tricky to get your head around because there's millions it comes into the millions so um you you, you'll become a millionaire straight away when you change over like a 10 us dollar or something like that so um it's a lot of zeros to keep keep track of too many too many i was trying to get like 50 dollars, and it was like a stack or a hundred it was kind of i mean it was a big amount at the time i think two inches of just cash and dollars. And I was at the ATM at the 7-Eleven just trying to get some cash. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> yes. And do you, do you recommend going to the, the banks or ATMs or using the credit cards or cashing? Some places they say it's actually good to exchange money on the streets. Is there a yes, no, definitely. I wouldn't recommend on the streets. Um, there, there is like, um, you know, there's websites that you can even Google like best, you know, cause there are little mini scams as well as, as there would be other places in the world. So, sure. um, you know, definitely Google, you know, cause there are reputable money exchanges. Um, and of course you just might have some ATM fees. There is even some particular ATMs that I, I would recommend over others that are more, um, you know, with inside a bank that you would get. Like I said, there's already maybe, a, you know, the security there already, just because sometimes there will be some uh, credit card skimming and mm-hmm. tampering with an ATM machine. So um, so I would just say be a little bit aware, do a bit of Googling on just the best way to handle money um, when you're in Bali. And, you know, you could turn up with a little bit yourself, just change it back home for it just to have something when you land, but then be aware of where you are taking money out as you said it's not going to fit in your wallet having a big uh, lump of cash unfortunately but there there is a lot of areas where you can tap and pay and there's some international cards like i would recommend say wise.com um you go onto there that you can you can get a credit card or credit cards or a debit card through them and it'll just be less on the fees um and things like that so yeah just checking out on fees and uh, and things like that all right Read your book, your guidebook. Yeah, 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 that's right. And then best place to surf. I know that's famous for surfing. Is there more on the West Coast versus the East Coast or is it just surfing everywhere? 
surfing everywhere, depending because there is the volcanic sand and then there's just normal, beautiful white sand. So you've got a big range, or you know, depending on what type of surfer you are and what type of what, what are you looking for. So as you mentioned before, the book at the South um Uluwatu area is lovely. Um there's other little pockets. There's east, there's north, there's actually, yeah, pretty much everywhere. I don't know about the top top part of of um of Bali because I know that you know you can go um snorkeling and that I wouldn't be it wouldn't be more of a surf thing but everywhere else around there will be pockets of surfing and beaches everywhere all right that's all yeah thank you yeah, so great. much lovely yeah, to meet you, you both oh, yeah so, so nice to meet you and learn more about it and uh yeah I'm actually very interested in the whole school thing too I'll have to look into that yeah. Yeah. Yeah be emailing you and checking it out so and, and where do <laughs> yes. people find you your um yeah. social channels website all that sure. good stuff yeah so our year in bali o-u-r year in bali okay. um is on instagram and then our year in bali um the website um the two ones so instagram facebook website um and i just every week i keep updating it with as i said usually an interesting article or an interview definitely um with someone who's either there now or who's gone come and gone and wanted to share their experience but mostly people that are there now absolutely <laughs> wonderful well have a great day and thank you yeah. yeah enjoy your day you're starting yours that's right hour, yes. so. have a good evening you Yes. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, ladies. All right. Nice see to you. see you. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. Absolutely. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, can you please take a second and do a quick follow of the show and rate us in your podcast app? And if you have a minute, we would really appreciate a review. Following and rating is the best way to support us. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. We're at Where Next Podcast. Thanks again.